The following is a conversation. It has the features of any conversation, such as imperfectly expressed thoughts, ill-considered opinions, and the notions of several sleep-deprived brains. Try not to get your stethoscope in a twist about it. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Coat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. This is a show that gives you an inside look at medical school from the students drinking from that fire hose. Glug, glug. I thought we were going to say Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm Dave Etler. With me today in the SCP studio, better than a popcorn shirt, it's M2 Noah Wick. Hey, what's going on? Eye-catching like cargo shorts and a sparkly shrug. M2 Shauna Liu, Liu is here. Hi. Like a faux fur vest, it's M4 Nathan Spitz. What's shaking? And the jingle jeans of podcasting, MD, PhD student Aline Sanduk <laughs> is here. Hi, I'm not cool enough to be Jinko jeans, but thank you. Wait, what's your outfit? What's your outfit of choice? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was a child of the 80s, so I probably would have to go back to like, you know, acid wash jeans mm. and and a, I don't know what they were called, but there was a, a sleeveless button down a vest thing. Nah, <laughs> it wasn't, I mean, yeah, but it wasn't what you think of when you think of vests, okay. so the oh, assless chaps of the assless yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes i That's had my true. assless chaps it was a aren't, backless vest actually correct right. me if i'm wrong but aren't all chaps assless uh are they i don't have a lot of, i doubt it like i, I feel like if they have to i feel qualify, like you're the one i feel like if they have to qualify that it's assless <laughs> that, that there are chaps with with coverage hey it's orientation week we're welcoming the uh, medical student class of 2026 this is the week during which it's common to see our New students cycling between expressions of unbridled joy at their achievement, getting into medical school, and inner terror as they wonder what they've gotten themselves into. They're so full of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. What do you guys remember about the first semester? What, what, when you think about that, what, what comes to mind? Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. like having eyelid twitching. Like <laughs> I was like be sitting there, and, like my eyelids were like fluttering, and I had to Google. Is this the start of med student syndrome? Like what is going on? <laughs> oh uh, and they talked. Uh, I think on like WebMD, the first three signs were like you like have little sleep, you're overcaffeinated, and stressed. And you're like, oh, check, check, check. <laughs> Correct. Yep. Blepharospasms for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you knowing all the science terms. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very nice. I like to break them out once in a while. God, did it take we... you a while to find your people? Yeah, it did. It did a little bit. You know, the podcast was like the highlight, mm. I would say, kind of right off the bat. Because mm. I was here over the summer, and that was when I did my first recording with you. Oh. Back when, do you guys remember this? Back when you would wheel this like the recording equipment to was... the learning community i, I don't care remember when what? you stopped doing that. i had a cart yes, didn't know that. Oh. i had a cart yeah, if you go so to fun. if you go to the shortcoat.com and you look at the banner image which has not changed since then yeah there the cart is visible and you can see we wheeled it into the communities it had a giant you know computer on it oh my god yeah yeah it was I've, i felt it like it was a pretty clever thing meet the people where they're at yeah but also it was hard to do sound yeah, um, oh, yeah. In a way that I thought was acceptable. So here we are in our own little yeah. our own little space. Our own little world. And I love it. Yeah. yeah. But I did feel real clever. Yeah. My class was full of very confident people, I remember. Mm-hmm. And, and mm. there was a real energy on day one of like, 
Yeah, of course I got into med school. <laughs> like, of course oh, I'm going to do well. Maybe it was just like the energy of some of the people that I was around, but like everyone just seemed so prepared and like, I don't know, just confident, just confident. Bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Maybe maybe it was like maybe a, it was a personal perception thing. Yeah. It could have been. Know. Yeah, like I I certainly was wearing anxiety colored glasses. Uh, right, right. A lot. Oh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it was nerve. It was a little nerve wracking, but yeah. it's better now. It's but, yeah, and no, I remember the orientation being like so draining after every single day because like it was so much socializing with new people, and you're being like, hey, like do I actually like these people or like. You know, like it's like dating you know we we're like do i actually like this person or do they you know am i just like excited about having a new friend you know so the semester itself was hard it started off it started off like i thought i was like doing so well and then like i don't know there was like a halfway point like an inflection point and then like I was, suddenly everything got really really hard i was like what's going on exam two in in uh, what what class foundation, foundation. I, think, I think for me it took until we switched to mohd and then I was like, oh, I was like, oh, oh here we go. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, mm. yeah. I vividly remember the like staring at my computer. Like, I don't I don't think I can name the exact date, but it was like the third unit uh-huh. where we were doing like nucleotide synthesis and like leg anatomy. And just like over the weekend, that like bubbling feeling of like, oh, shit, did I like make the wrong choice? So like some context, oh, wow. like was yeah. a big like psychology major, like loved all of my psychology classes. I like, came mm-hmm. to medical school like specifically for psychiatry. This was like the farthest thing from like what I wanted right, for my yeah. future. And to have that like intensity, to have such like focus on like so many aspects of things that I like didn't enjoy, didn't care about. Like this was the farthest thing I think from like what I envisioned medical school to be like, like you, for me. You had to know though that you were going to spend a lot of time in the classroom. It just maybe you hadn't internalized what that meant. Correct. And I'm so yeah. stubborn. Even if somebody would like showed me a video of like, this is like what your life is going to be like. Uh. I'm sure my stubbornness, like as a 20 year old would have been like, Oh, it can't be that bad. I don't know. I wasn't that it wasn't unbearable, but I remember like over our cadaver bodies in anatomy lab, like having actual like cry sessions with, uh. Uh, with my uh, lab buddies over like, do we make a mistake? Like this is, <laughs> this is tough. Is that Joe with you, Shauna? Yeah, I actually came to medical school with a similar intention to Nathan. It's actually my peer mentor. Interesting fact. Oh, fun yeah. Cool. But yeah, That's I felt so like that a lot over first semester, isn't it? Yeah, that he's a great really peer sweet. mentor. Yeah. Highly recommend him. Um, <laughs> it's too late. Get him all his hot. out. Noah and I actually met very early on during yeah. orientation week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds Terrible. like an old married couple. Uh, <laughs> I regret it every day. No, first semester was really hard. Very, I, I felt tired for most of it. That's like mm-hmm. the one word I could use to describe it. But it was good because I met a lot of people that I like. Lots mm-hmm. of friends that I still have today. So that was good. I'm glad for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I blacked out. Like I feel like it went by so fast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember having the feeling every day of like not even knowing where to start. Just being so mm-hmm. incredibly overwhelmed because, like, the class load is significant. I mean, it's <laughs> right. Like, I've heard. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I I don't know that people not in med school can even conceive of being in you know six to seven you know hour long lectures that were just back to back and having lunch off. But usually lunch was filled with like other extracurriculars, right? Mm-hmm. So like even that wasn't really a break. And then you get home at the end of the day and you just want to like, you know, have a bite to eat and relax for a second and be like, oh no, I have all this material to review from today and prepare for tomorrow. It was mm-hmm. just so like, 
nothing in my life had prepared me for how to tackle this mountain of information. Mm. It was really, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I think you had it to the fatigue and the novelty, like of almost everything being new was mm. especially mm-hmm. like yes. taxing in the first semester of how do I study? Like here's like three or four like new classes. I like hadn't, you know, taken physiology before, you know, just mm-hmm. like everything was new in that first semester. The new, like this was a different circumstance. Well, but, but you people <laughs> in the audience should still do it. You should still, there's really it. great things. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a lot not of laughs bad. over here in the Carver College of Madison, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's on, it's on our, on our it is, pillows. Lots of laughs. Oh, lots of laughs. <laughs> Some of it is laugh or cry, but you yeah. Know. You can do both at, at the, the same, same time. time. I know. Yeah. That's what's nice about it. Oh my God. There's a podcast, literally. What's it called? It's like called Harry sure. Buttholes. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> no, no. Sorry, so there's quite. like, I, I don't want to like misrepresent this, but it's like a term in Korean, I believe, where if you like laugh and cry at the same time, you can grow hair around your anal region. Mm. Um, what? Huh, okay. Yeah. Out. This is a Korean to, saying? Like, yeah. And so this like podcast, so she's a comedian and she'll like bring on guests and like have them share some of their like darkest, like most intense moments. And then also like try and make them laugh. And Korean yeah. listeners, if you know this saying in Korean, Call 347-SHORT-CT <laughs> and leave it on our voicemail. Uh-huh. And I'd love to I'd love to hear what this sounds like in Korean because I bet it sounds different and more, I don't know, pleasant than hairy, hairy buttholes. An idiom, you know. Yeah. Also, what is the full... What is the full idiom? I'm sure it's just not like, oh, hairy buttholes. It's got to be like... It's got to be more than that. Uh, you're asking the wrong... I'm shooting from the hip I'm not asking I'm you. I'm asking, our, I'm asking our many, many Korean listeners. Yeah. He's, I wanna... call, he's calling your bluff, Nathan. He's like, tell me more about this supposed yeah. thing. You caught me. You caught me. I literally... I learned this last night. I, oh, I learned this fair enough. last night. I'm so. glad you I'm glad you brought it up. Wow. Uh, it's a lot of fun. That's like... I met school, like, med school just a hairy butthole. Like, you just... You laugh. You cry. Oftentimes at the same time. And... I've not... Med school is also a lot of learning things last night and yes. <laughs> talking yep. about like, you know what's going it. on. <laughs> Correct day. that overconfident. Yeah. That like projected confidence. Be like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like hey, you guys haven't heard about the saying. Yeah. Uh, just don't ask me any like follow up questions about it. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like we accomplished something similar yeah. okay. here. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Talk about hard things and funny things. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I don't want to steal their line, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> After a nice long COVID-19 pandemic, what's more refreshing than another global pandemic? The current monkeypox (laughs) outbreak, which, by the way, that's not supposed to be the official name anymore. The current monkeypox outbreak has been elevated to a national health emergency this past week, signaling that officials are concerned about the growing caseload trend in the U.S. I mean, you know, nobody wants the painful rash, fever, chills, exhaustion, muscle aches, headache. Uh, What else I got here? Soreth? The hell is that? Sore, oh, sore web- throat. Okay. Congestion, like, cough. Are you on WebMD right now? <laughs> <laughs> sore throat, congestion, cough, two to four weeks duration of illness, you know. And I, I understand it's pretty painful. Oh, my goodness. The most, like, horrifying ones I've heard is if people have, like, perirectal or anal oh, lesions. Like, yes. I've heard it described as sitting on glass. Broken glass. Um, sitting yeah. on broken glass. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I read Satan reaching up inside me. To <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to yeah. go that far, but. Yeah. yeah. It sounds pretty bad. Yeah. I guess the silver lining in this recent situation is that the virus is uh, relatively l- low amount of deaths so far. And that the vac- there is a vaccine for monkeypox that already exists somehow yeah um, there's two yeah so there's the 
Gineos, which I think is just a smallpox vaccine. Mm -hmm. And then I think there was also a more recently made, like in the past 10 or 20 years, monkeypox specific vaccine in response to like growing endemic cases in Africa. And we had like 20, I think what I'd heard was like 20 million doses like available. And then like prior, we just like let them all expire. expire. Of the smallpox vaccine. Or of the monkeypox or smallpox? Oh, again, I learned this last night. I think this is the the smallpox one. The The smallpox vaccine, yeah. Because right, yes. Because we... Because smallpox was supposedly eradicated. Right. Because then, then we paid for another one to be developed in case it was ever used as bioterrorism. Oh, right. So we paid for a new smallpox vaccine to be developed. And then we just let the doses that we paid for expire. Yeah. What I do remember well, is humans like, are very bad at predicting the future, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing. But we did. No, I mean, they, they did predict it, right? Like, they predicted it. They made all the vaccines. Like, yeah. assuming yeah, that, then like, some other humans like took over and they were like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also the, the what, T-pox, a smallpox drug treatment that has been used for severe monkeypox. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Noah, you looked into all this and what have you found out? You know, I think it's it's just been frustrating again, right? Seeing how the U.S. has sort of struggled to respond to another viral contagion, you might say. Yeah. You know, like what we're at, I think, we're at, I checked yesterday, we're at like 7,400 cases. Question mark. Mm-hmm. Leading the world. Again. Leading the world. Mm-hmm. Let's go. USA, number baby. One. Number one. <laughs> by, n- not by percentage. Oh, like you mean per capita number. by yeah. absolute number? Yes. Yeah. He's a, he's a statistics guy. He's a statistics. I'm learning. Guy. I've he's learned. A, he, he's an epidemiologist. Yeah, spasm. Yeah, we got Sorith. We've got. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I mean, there was the whole issue too. I I don't know if you. I, I think that was in some of the readings that like the U.S. really just sort of sat on their hands for about a month before ordering more vaccine as well and really only seeing like vaccines become widespreadly available for populations at high risk like within the last two weeks you know and this has been we've known about this since june you know and so it's even with all like we kind of had our thumb on the scale with the advantages right it was a known entity we knew that monkeypox existed we had a vaccine for it we have a treatment for it we have a test for it you know and like whereas that was, those were all the issues at the start of covid and still, we kind of just are like, oh, yeah. Frittering, frittering away our advantages. Right. And it's such an easily, it's not like COVID, too, or or we suspect it's not like COVID in the sense where it's highly transmissible when you're not overtly symptomatic as well. You only start being sort of transmissible when you start having symptoms, whether that be fever or the rash begins or things like that. And so it's like. It's funny, we keep learning this lesson, I think, of preparedness. It seems to have parallels for me to the early days or the early years of Mm. HIV, Mm -hmm. where, you know, like HIV, this initially is talked about as a gay men's disease. Right. Mm -hmm. And same thing with HIV. It was for for a long time, you know, reported and thought of years Mm -hmm. as a gay men's disease. So, eh. Right. Which, you know, hopefully we'd have moved beyond that, but there's a little bit of that in this. Right. Yeah. And I think that's been, I think that's the issue always with new infectious diseases is that they always sort of get thought of as like the problem of the community they initially appear in. A problem of a small group of people that we don't have to really worry too much about. And so it's like the same thing again, you know, where now we have monkeypox predominantly spreading among, for now, men who have sex with men and... You know, the, we're seeing sort of 
not only in the popular media, but we've seen some political figures as well say like <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Uh, who have been like, oh, this is just a, you know, this is a gay man's problem. Like, I'm not really concerned about it. Right. And yeah, I, you know, for now that the majority of the cases are among gay men and there's the percentage of cases that are among gay men continues to go down though everyday cases like among the general population continue to go up because uh, it turns out uh, gay men don't exist in America. isolation yeah. <laughs> yeah. not just in fire yeah. island yeah. Uh, they're actually yeah. uh, <laughs> members <laughs> of the community you know live with people have families so yeah and i'm, I'm sort of i don't know it is, it's, it's, I think it's, you know, with the response, it's starting to finally heat up a, a bit, which is good. It's just sort of a matter of seeing if it's going to be in time for, like, I don't know, school coming back into session. Like, and you can imagine if a kid gets College. monkeypox. Yeah. Well, oh, there's already yo, been. Yeah. I think there's, oh, thanks. I think there's already been. Uh, <laughs> I forgot we didn't mention on the show that my son starts college this week so great yeah. uh, and uh, i i think well there was also reported a uh, situation where um, caregiver right a caregiver in a daycare yeah so yeah. all these kids have, oh, no. have likely yeah. been exposed and you know yeah. yeah so currently you can get a vaccine i believe only if only let's see currently it's offered vaccines to those with the disease so again unlike coronavirus the vaccines are effective for people who have monkeypox already. Yeah. So it's, mm. yeah, it's sort of like a prophylax or post exposure prophylaxis where when once someone has been identified as either being exposed to a confirmed case or is starting to show symptoms, that if you give them a vaccine dose, there is some evidence that suggests the course of disease is less severe in those individuals and is a sh- sh- rapid, more rapid, like, I don't know, recovery process from yeah. it. Uh, but they are now in Iowa officially we've expanded to offer to populations at high risk as well. So in Iowa, that is exclusively, I think, men who have sex with men, I think trans individuals as well. And then folks, again, who have like been either ex- knowingly exposed or at like a location where there was a confirmed case. Mm. So you don't vaccinate to prevent sort of contracting the virus. You you vaccinate to mitigate the course of disease. So both. Both. So yeah, yeah. I think now the efforts are especially to like triage with the like limited like amount of vaccines like readily available. What are the long term sequelae of having like having monkeypox? Like, is there long term neurological damage or anything like that? That's a good question and one that I do not know off okay. the top of my head. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like in terms of like chronic health conditions, what results are? I know there's. I mean, from a cosmetic side, there is like scarring. Um, but I'm not sure if there's like losses in sensation or things like that. It's it can be lesion dependent too. Like if you get it on your eyes, it like can lead to blindness. Blindness, Yeah. For example. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's kind of like a lesion. lesion So like in in an ideal world, we would want to preventatively kind Mm -hmm. of vaccinate Mm -hmm. people. Yes. Yep. I, I don't remember if this was California, some like local like health organization. Was it New York? I don't remember exactly who it was. They wanted to ixnay a slutty summer and wait for anal autumn. <laughs> uh, so slutty summer is yeah. out. Anal autumn is in. Let's oh if, you get, oh yeah, if yeah, you get your right. vaccine. If you get your vaccine. Correct. Yeah. 
It's good messaging. Yeah. And I've definitely been seeing more concerted efforts from like public health departments mm-hmm. and like experts and things like that, at least on like social media or mainstream media channels, kind of like trying to at least like take control of that or exert more control over that narrative and to offer, for example, like helpful, practical like tips on how to like stay safe during this pandemic. Or yeah. Epidemic well, I think, or yeah, I mean, I, I suspect part of that is is just that, you know, we 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 ramped up all of these channels, you know, whether they were official channels or unofficial channels of people, you know, epidemiologists and, and I'm thinking of there's Dr. Knock on Instagram NOC, I think is how you spell that, but he's an epidemiologist who Mm. did a lot of work to talk very simply and quickly about COVID. And so people like him and others are, are, you know, sort of already ready Mm -hmm. to, to disseminate that information, which is helpful. And then there are others. Yeah. I think one of the big takeaways from the COVID situation is that we can't rely on the federal government to address things appropriately. And <laughs> like in an ideal world, you should. That's what our taxes are for. You, We pay you. She, she has her don't tread on me flag in the background. <laughs> I mean, you know. I, this is, but this is why you pay taxes. You're right. You're so yeah, yeah, yeah. You you fund these organizations so that you, they can address problems, so you don't have to worry about them. And I'm right. not saying it's good that we can't. Like, yeah, I know. I, I wish know, yeah, that I we could. I think you also though want a multi prong approach because one of the things yeah. that we learned from uh-huh. from COVID is that there is a healthy portion of the population or an unhealthy portion of the population, depending on how you look at it, who don't trust messaging from the government, no matter where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe that's less of a factor in this particular outbreak but i think having a multi-pronged mm. approach to these sorts of things is probably a good idea and if that yeah. means you know getting well, charlie DeMello to talk about it well i guess that's let's get a tiktok well that's kind of what i was thinking is that one of the silver linings to all this is seeing like federal like at, like state agencies be a little more proactive being like okay we can't rely on these assholes we have to take care of our own yeah the problem with that is in states where there's less infrastructure and less regard for these issues, like they're the people that depend on the federal government to kind of pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Yeah. Well, maybe now, so, now that we know these things, we can, you know, the government can sort of target its. Maybe we could fund public health more. Maybe, yeah, we, we could do that <laughs> or at least or at least target its efforts in in more well, targeted ways. Intelligent. Yeah. Ways. yeah intelligent. Yeah. Ways. Well, do we uh, do we think this is going to continue to spread? Will we get a handle on it? What, what are we What are we thinking at this point? It'll spread. Yeah, <laughs> it'll, uh, spread. it'll spread. It'll spread. Okay, good. I mean, I think I th- I'm a, I'm hopeful that like with the ramped up efforts in vaccinations and like so for right now, for example, like TPOX the treatment, like because it had like the expanded access mm-hmm. and because it wasn't like FDA cleared, it was taking like hours and hours and hours for providers to like complete paperwork for like one person, which just like was like mm-hmm. a logistical like nightmare for so many people across the country. And now like that's starting to get like streamlined as well. So it's like becoming easier to access both vaccines and treatments within I would say like what like two months you know I guess within like two months of some of like the first confirmed cases in the U.S. which I think is so different from COVID-19 that like hit the U.S. in January and Mm -hmm. like it took almost like an entire year before it was like starting to become like mass distributed uh, Mm -hmm. amongst the U.S. so I think although like we definitely have not like flattened the curve I'm like hopeful that we won't see the same trajectory thus far yeah 
Hopefully. I think I'm a little more pessimistic. I, I, I think it's... And, and again, because I think monkeypox is a little bit more of a known beast, I think, like, there's a reality where we do get a pretty good handle on it. But I think, like, I don't know, with how lethargic the response has been thus far, mm. I think it's... I, I sort of envision the case count being underestimated. And, you know, sort of see that. Which, granted, I think monkeypox is a more overt classical syndrome than like COVID is where it's like oh I just have a cold you know like someone could reasonably think they just have a cold whereas someone has monkeypox probably a little bit more like they're like oh Obvious, I'm yeah. it has like, a more oh, visceral impact on yeah. people because they can mm-hmm. see how detrimental it is yeah they're like know? oh yeah I have lesions everywhere that's not great and so I don't know but I, I, I would envision it being a problem throughout the rest of the year certainly mm-hmm. into next year and it's I think these sort of next two months are going to sort of see if we get a hold on it or if it keeps spreading. Do you think the do you think the nature of this disease lends itself to eradication like like smallpox or do you think it's more like coronavirus where it's going to become a Well, I mean the, the thing with smallpox which was nice was that it only infected humans. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was that's a good way to start that sentence though. Yeah, the, the, it only infected humans. And so there was no or there is currently no known reservoir animal for smallpox. And oh. so once you vaccinate everyone for smallpox, you can't get it anymore. And so the issue with a lot of the, and like, I think polio is another virus where it only infects, I might be completely misspeaking, because that's another candidate for eradication, except for the now it's being, I think there was cases of it in, or there's polio in the wastewater in New York. Apparently. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, that's like- More news story. this week, right? Yeah. So like that would be another candidate for eradication because it only infects humans. Other diseases like monkeypox, where there is an endemic or like a reservoir animal, I think monkeypox is, is actually rodents. Um, mm-hmm. Prairie dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there is a reservoir animal, it's harder because you're saying like, oh, okay, we're never going to have an encounter with this animal again. That's going to lead to an infection that's going to lead to transmission. And so, you know, I mean, it's like the same thing like with Ebola, with like, I don't know, SARS, MERS, like you technically have another outbreak of those at any given moment it's just by you know the grace of god that uh, you know we continue to not have those cases so but i mean in a more direct sense i think there is a potential to like get it back to the point where we only have like minor case clusters again if we do get this one under there are other viruses like hot virus that you don't yeah. hear much about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. lots of virus. Lang- yeah. Was it Lenya that they're oh, just like now that's like the one that's again in the news? Like, like, a lot of viruses <laughs> in the news. Like Marburg, right? Yeah, Marburg. Yeah, yeah. A lot of shrews, right? For Lang, Lang, oh, whatever. God, you are digging into the deep reeds. I don't remember. Uh, don't quote me. I mean, it's almost like when we are like you know destroying animal habitats and leading to more confrontation between humans and animals that we're going to see more spillover, right, of disease. Well, also, I mean, climate change is really yeah, sort of, you know, affecting how this, how diseases, you know, the locations in which they're seen and the, right. and the, and the types of exposures people have. Yeah. So. It's a fun time. It's a great. It's great. <laughs> it's good. It's Not so cool good. Cool and normal. I think like the only other thing I would add too is I think just it's been I think there's been discourse as well about like from public health perspective about messaging as like that has been specifically targeting the queer community or particularly men who have sex with men because that like feels like it's promoting the idea that it's a gay disease. And so I think there's like sort of this intrinsic I don't know there's a balance there right because on one hand 
you're wanting to reach the community that is highest at risk, you know, and has a majority of the cases and say, hey, this is an issue. We want, you know, you to be aware and we want you to get vaccinated with also balancing the fact that in our current political climate, <laughs> you know, you have a lot of folks and individuals who will latch on to that. And then, and I mean, I guess it's been the political climate since like, you know, the 1980s. But yeah, I mean, I don't think, I, I think that's probably just human nature. Yeah. Like we, you know, it, we feel like we're sort of whistling in the dark. And so we're like, okay, well, this yeah, is only a problem for certain people. Yeah. We're going to immediately put it on the other group. So, you know, I think that's always a challenge. I'm interested to hear what y'all's thoughts on that are as well. You know, what I was going to say is to the credit of the LGBT community, it is extremely well organized, I uh -huh. feel like. And like, get the word out quickly. You know, there's a strong sense of community in the LGBT community of like taking, I mean, like you saw during the HIV, you know, epidemic is that, I mean, I guess less so now than at that time, because, you know, being LGBTQ is more acceptable now. But, you know, in the 80s, it was really tragic. People were dying alone and. And because the law was so unenlightened, people's loved ones couldn't even be mm -hmm. like their true loved ones couldn't even be in the room with them. But my hope is that like there's a lot of really unique features to the LGBT community that mm -hmm. will position them to neutralize maybe some of this risk. Mm -hmm. Speaking of some of that, some of the intercommunity or intra community. And I don't know how I feel about like shame and shame like concept, mm -hmm. but I feel like I've been seeing it like it's traditionally like in like psychological research, like not a super effective tool in getting people to adapt behavior, but like at least on social media channels, like I'm, I have been, I think, seeing like successful like, shame, shame, <laughs> shame <laughs> tactics used to like uh, hopefully like exert more like public pressure to like really like we just saw what happened with COVID. Like if you've been exposed, if you're like have a potential exposure, like get vaccinated, stay the F home. Like we just in air, not that we went through it, we are still going through it, but like <laughs> uh, after having like recently gone through this, I've been seeing a lot more kind of like of that negative pressure mm. online. I don't think that that's like necessarily specific to the LGBTQ plus community, but mm. there, I mean, it's often done tactfully or with humor mixed in as well. But I don't know, I'll be like interested to see if that kind of like shaming also like helps or not. But, mm. We'll see. We will see. Yeah. Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcodes at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. As we begin a new year of medical education here at Iowa with a new class of incoming students, maybe this is a timely study to think about. The BMC Medical Education Journal published an, an article recently exploring students' high moderate and low utility learning techniques and how they relate to perceived learning difficulties. The uh, Germany-based author surveyed 488 women and 242 men asking about their use of 10 learning techniques. There they are. Oh, thank you. And I've emboldened those that were the most commonly used. Highlighting, let me put there, there we go. Highlighting, self-explanation, and practice testing. What do you think of those? I would agree. Oh. Yeah. You, oh, you would agree that those are the most common? Most commonly, okay. yeah. Most commonly used, yes. Okay. Do you, I think, do you I have think any opinions about be... their effectiveness? Practice testing is very effective, I think. Being able to actually apply the knowledge that you learn and making sure you understand the concepts. But mm. highlighting and underlining is... Low yield. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I do it. But I it is I, Like, I don't do it. I just do it when I read, like... Yeah, the first pass. It's good. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. nice for a first pass. Yeah, but your... you're not really going to retain any information from that, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like the imagery for text. I think that's very effective. You know, we imagery for text. This one I had to look up because I yeah. wasn't quite sure what this it's was. It's like uh, sketchy, right? I assume. Yeah. yeah. I let, assume. Me, let me read these for our listeners. We've got elaborate interrogation. Right. We've got self-explanation. We've got summarization, highlighting and underlining, keyword mnemonic, imagery for text, rereading, practice testing, distributed practice, an interleave practice. Okay, I've done my duty. Yeah. And you were saying? Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, as you're reading them, I'm realizing I don't know what a lot of these mean. But personally, <laughs> the one that stuck out. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I'm not an education specialist, so yeah. get off my back. But the imagery for text, I think, is really powerful. The people that I felt in my class who did the best were the ones who, and this could mean a couple of different things. Either like creating a table or a chart, like, you know, mm -hmm. summarizing everything or literally generating a picture that communicates kind of concepts, but like eliminating words and using, you know, mm -hmm. images. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but I think that it's sort of, a, I mean, it's, it seems like a mnemonic, but in images, images yeah. mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Using images. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this later, but reflecting on now entering like my final year of medical school, like how drastically my like techniques have changed. And they did like talk about this mm. more in the paper, but the shift from like preclinicals where you have a lot of like lectures, for example, like I was the person with the iPad, like highlighting and underlining, like <laughs> yeah. what the lecturer was saying and then like summarizing it. And then like at the end of, or in preparations for tests, starting to work on practice testing, and then for me at least and I think what's common amongst my peers is the shift to like clinicals when you don't have as many formal lectures and you just honestly like don't have the time to spend like reading a lot of primary sources the just the jump into the trial by fire practice testing mm -hmm. and learning by practice testing um so just kind of I guess like as I reflect on like the start of medical school to now like shifting towards like I guess I have like one or two more tests before I'm done like my like shift in like using these different Ooh. techniques. I know. Right? He did it. Well, I, he's not done yet. He's not done yet. <laughs> he's so close. Well, subjects were also asked about four different kinds of learning difficulties they perceived. Difficulties with performance requirements, preparation for exams, lack of freedom to close knowledge gaps, and the amount of content that they had to learn. So, oh, lack of freedom to close knowledge yeah. gaps. That's a huge one. Is that actually. a big problem? I would, I mean... I've, I've often... I, I, and I'm... I'm not sure what the definition exactly of this was, but it, to me it was like people preventing you in some way from like doing your own. Well, I guess the way the way I would interpret that is like moving on from a topic without like a solid grasp oh. of every con like every piece of it, which is a big deal in med school because it's so cumulative. Mm -hmm. like the it's regimented you, and cumulative. Yeah, yeah. Like the things you learn at the beginning, you, you need to gather a, like get a really good handle on it because everything else is built on that. And I often, often felt that way, like moving on from a topic before I'm like, wait, I don't understand half of mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And then that compounding with time is really yeah. stressful. I can. I was a, I did that as a tutor and I like I don't know how I feel about it. And I think it's like delicately interlinked with like the amount of information where there just was like, for example, like in a two hour tutor session when you just have like such a vast amount of material to mm -hmm. cover when people do ask, when it is. And I would always try and encourage people like, please don't like lose that inquisitive like aspect don't like lose that desire to learn more but just like in but this, we have to move on shut but up honestly don't lose but, your no, spirit yeah but honestly like 
in in this allotted amount of time, like for practical reasons, like you're not going to be assessed on that like deeper knowledge, although it is like important and it's like fundamental to what we're doing. Like (laughs) I just fundamental and important, you will be assessed. (laughs) So right, we I was out here like teaching to that MFN test. Yeah, but it it is hard. I think it's so difficult as a as a medical student when you like want to know more. That's a lot of like people's drive and interest in medicine is wanting to learn more and it's just with a sheer volume and amount i think it's it's really difficult the the these 10 techniques can be sorted into sort of low utility low utility moderate utility and high utility techniques and what can you define some of these for us because i'm not sure i know what distributed practice i believe that's just like over time that's like so you're yeah you're practicing over time it's basically (laughs) oh my god space space repetition or or you could say it's uh, yeah look you're doing these methods yeah after what is interleaved practice i think we might have to look that one up i think interleaved is like doing one topic and then doing a different topic oh so it's like like, 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 like doing yeah like doing like the heart and then like doing the skin and then like mm-hmm. going back to the heart and then going like to the immune system yeah or at least i think it's, i'm really interested in elaborative interrogate i'm like picturing yeah. the like good cop bad cop Is like, that just <laughs> your, like textbook like all right tell me what you know <laughs> this might be elaborative interrogation i imagine is sort of socratic method mm. so oh, by then, by then, okay so mm-hmm. you no. you know start with you, you start questioning yourself on smaller ideas, moving to bigger ideas and sort of and sort of working towards understanding of your topic that way. Yeah. Women showed higher usage of both lower yield techniques and higher yield techniques than men. They're so studying more. Is that, is that what that's saying? Is that they're studying more? Is that does that mean men are using more of the moderate utility? I think I think that means men are using more of the moderate utility. OK. Um, Interesting. Techniques. Hmm. Senior students showed a lower usage of low utility techniques than junior students, which Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense, I think. Mm -hmm. And more use of low yield techniques was associated with more difficulties learning and moderate utility techniques related to less learning difficulties. So oddly, the high utility learning techniques maybe were somewhere in the middle. Maybe because it's just that much harder. Is it perception? Was that? Yeah. It's in a perception. Okay. The perception measure perception of my own difficulty these are these are the yes. things that i use and i have perceived perceived these problems right yeah. which i mean could be just because the higher utility are harder harder, mm, harder to do, <laughs> and, make yeah. you f- and make you feel away which, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> horrible make yeah. you feel dejected make you feel stupid sorry i don't like to use the word stupid but yes well let's see oh sorry go ahead. i didn't get to read the paper but how did they decide the low moderate and high utility categories this is from a previous study okay. um yeah that have has identified these okay. as such yeah mm-hmm. well I, th- I, th- I mean we've gotten i think several presentations now both from like anatomy folks neuroanatomy oh. folks oh. other random mohd professors who like do a lot of research into like the science of learning and i think that i mean this is like and like even from our learning specialists you know i think that this is like pretty consistent with what they've Mm-hmm. discussed with us as well yeah the only thing i was looking at is like for imagery for text i thought it'd be more high utility because like like sketchy yeah. for example is so utilized among med students right? yeah but i think it's essentially just a mnemonic right with what you were saying right mm. that, I mean, like, I, I, i've never actually yeah i've never i never really sketchy either so yeah. I, maybe i'm not but no, I think, I'm kind of expensive yeah yeah i'm surprised by that too actually i thought that that would be more effective as a learning technique considering how many people use that yeah. well it, it's probably in 
like all of these, is probably effective in some situations than in mm-hmm. others, right? right? Like, I'm seeing this I'm as kind of tiered as like a depth of like understanding as well, or right. like you think of like the hierarchy of like knowledge, mm-hmm. whereas like practice testing, for example, like requires. Say Maslow's. Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, uh, uh, Bloom's right now. Bloom's taxonomy. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Correct. Where I feel like imagery for text, you're just kind of like helping yourself memorize something as opposed to elaborative interrogation or self-explanation where you're like pressing yourself to like learn more and dig deeper. Right. Was yeah. I guess how I was conceptualizing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Yeah. Thank you. So since we're welcoming a new class of medical and PA students to the Carver College of Medicine, and since we're talking about learning techniques, let's see how you did learning. I thought we'd celebrate this long-standing tradition in medical education, pimping. Ooh. <laughs> For those who don't know, this is a teaching method whereby ideally an attending physician asks students questions of increasing difficulty in order to educate. Less ideally, it's a backronym for put in my place in which attendings ask questions of esoteric knowledge students can't reasonably know the answers to in order to humiliate them. So let's do this. I want you to pimp each other on knowledge that second year people who have finished their first year should have. Oh, God. This is going to turn into a battle no. royale. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're just going to be stabbing each other. My heart this is, is racing. This is a literal, this is like a, a Reddit, like, nightmare rape. <laughs> <laughs> But I would, also, just to increase the difficulty factor. Oh no, that's that's a no for me. I don't. Uh, I do to, not like those. To things. increase the difficulty factor, <laughs> the the ans- the oh. answerer has oh. to wear mouth spreaders. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> that's um, so Nathan, cute. why don't you be the questioner first? Oh my god. Okay, and oh. you can pick your. We're, victim. we're passing these around. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, so to clarify, am I just answer asking a random? And this is for anybody. Yeah, whoever. And y'all just finished MOHD 3. Aline, by the way, you can put the mouth spreader in with your mask on. All right. I, I realized that after, <laughs> after I, I remembered my mask. Okay, let's pick like a t- Let's pretend we're on like a rotation or something to like give you a. Like Who are you going to pick? Who needs to put their mouth spreader in? Aline first. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Right. Aline, what, what rotation did you just finish? OB. OBGYN. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll st- Aline, we will start off nice and slow. Okay. I think what I think it is nice and slow. <laughs> I thought it was one question. Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. No, I'm going to ask just like one, hopefully okay. like not too like wild question. Okay. Aline, what is one maternal hormone that can increase the risk of maternal diabetes? Oh, HPL. <laughs> yeah, you got it for the class. Would you like to share what HPL? Is? Uh so uh, what is it? Ashen uh, placental something. Lactogen. Lactogen. is secreted at the placenta. I hate this so much. This is a fucking nightmare. It's secreted at the placenta, and it increases basically insulin resistance in the other. I don't remember the mechanism exactly. I hate this so much. Applause! I think you did pretty good. I kind of gave you like a valley girl accent for a hot second. (laughs) I don't even know what accent this is. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm going to take this out right now. Okay, thanks. Aline, I know you have to go to uh, to meet with Dr. Yeah. Dr. Rahal, oh, no, I have why don't to you leave. wear that um, to your meeting with Dr. Don't Rahal? Don't take off your but mask. But don't take off your yeah. mask. Just yeah. go in. Yep. <laughs> 
this is actually a flirt and eating sound. That's All also right. good because she's an endocrinologist. She, so she would be very cool about this. Okay. <laughs> it was great playing with you guys and podcasting with you guys. Have a good rest of your time. Oh, why? <laughs> what, what rotation did you just do? I just finished child in adolescent psychiatry oh okay well i don't know anything about that so you, neuro, <laughs> you can go you with can m1 do like neuroanatomy uh, you want me to do a neuro you question? can go with yeah, m1 you stuff can do too. like neuroanatomy if you want me to ask a neuro question i'll literally i'm literally gonna vomit we should try to ask him a psych question Wait, i think you, i think you i think the the, the, the big bits the, go on the inside and then yeah then the u goes down another way there you go there you go that's that's hot that's <laughs> We could do anatomy. Oh shit! I hadn't well, taken that for three and a half years. That's, that's okay. No, ask no away. I'll do an easy ask one. Away. I'll do an easy ask one. No, ask Name away. a muscle in the anterior forearm compartment. Muscle, muscle, like the radialis. Is that no? No, just the way you said it. It was, uh, the, it was, it was right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. hard to do the 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 letter that the the, the <laughs> I can't even say the letter because you're what's the animal that goes was. <laughs> the letter uh, B. Yeah, uh-huh. B. Yeah. B. The letter so would be B. <laughs> Good job. Excellent work. Oh, there you go. I guess now it's it's your turn, Sean, uh, to ask a question. Can you ask me a question? Do I need to pull one of these? Yes. Nathan, you would you be a great friend and help me, please? I like it. Something's jacked up about the your left side. Part of it should be on the outside. You've got the whole thing in your mouth. <laughs> Oh, there you go. I, like I mean, you know, you're showing off a little bit, but yeah. Sorry. sorry. Um, there you go. <laughs> I, I like drooling in this. <laughs> Please, there, there are tissues there. Too. I'm trying to like. <laughs> Please tag the short code when you post that. Cheers. Short okay. code. Okay. So you just wait. finished teaching IMEI or talked about foundations with uh-huh. with the new folks. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you remember two proteins that mm. help in like retrograde transport from the rough endoplasmic reticulum to the Golgi apparatus. Two? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Good. Do you remember Clathrins? which do you remember, Clathrins? Yeah, do you yeah. remember which one goes into oh sorry, I get one question, but You do. Which, which, You're gonna ask me which oh, one so goes into I mean, go, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they did ask a question yeah. about that. Though. I remember it's one step forward, two steps back. Oh, that's there good. Go. Look, that's actually no I'm literally drilly gone myself. Yeah. That's enough. That's a you can take it out now. Yeah, I can take it out now. <laughs> 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 All right, well Shauna hasn't done hasn't done it yet a so question. she well I just come she me. got out of her questioning dave I, you're the question master now oh i i don't know things all right uh, you knew blepharospasm don't yeah, sell yourself short pretty much exhausted my uh, i didn't be able to answer that question though oh my god what is that? name oh, okay that's also fine name the cells that enable hearing in the cochlea Ooh. I hate myself. God. The cells. Like the. <laughs> Name the cells. Are you, are you Googling the it? The I am because I want to make sure I. Is it like the ones with the hairs? Is yeah. Like the hairs, the fluid, like mechanical translators. Yeah. I think that's just. Very. Yeah. 
Oh, I okay. That's not hate, though. Is I it? mean, they have a name. Yeah, there's a name that I don't know. I'm Googling it. This is what I have to Oh, that's to. not at all what I thought it was. Oh. I mean, yeah, the hair cells. Yeah, you got it. Is that the name? Yeah. Oh, but there's I, there must be a better name for it. I was thinking no, Perkinji cells, but that's in the heart. You're thinking Perkinji oh, fibers. fibers? Right. Yeah. Which I guess they would also have cells, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would. Technically, yeah. There are cells. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Hey, good job, Shauna. <laughs> Look at us. You guys know things. Hampton. You thought you thought this was all about humiliating you, but no, I've just proved that <laughs> you hot. know things still. Yeah. But when are you gonna? The, are you gonna answer a question? All right. Oh wait. Okay. So this is something that like Dave should that, yeah, that uh, Dave should know. Okay. What's a question that an idiot would know? You are not no, an idiot. What? What's what is like one of your favorite topics in medicine? Oh no, I hear topics in medicine all around the social aspects of medicine. Social, social. Oh, here we go. So there's a specific type of delusion in psychiatry uh-huh. where if one person has a delusion, for example, that like I'm infested with mites. And with that, like, repetition and intensity, oftentimes in, like, living partners or, like, social social context, somebody else can also share and develop that delusion. There's a specific name. Do you know what this is called? Well, all I can think of is, like, transference. Well, that's not what you're... That's not it. You are correct. That is not it. See, I know what it's not. (laughs) That's an important first step. I... I, Oh, gosh. So it's like... And then I would go with hot psychology or ass hysteria. It is not. <laughs> what is this? It is, accent it is you not <laughs> wandering. You what is happening? I don't know if I was like that terrified. I just drooled <laughs> on my own hand. You're right. It's not transference. Do you have? Do it's you have not another? It's French. Oh, it's French. It has a French name. It's French. I'm Le Dufumont. <laughs> It is Harry and Escargot delusion. Maybe I don't know. Okay, it's called Follet Adieu. Oh, I have heard that term. Mm-hmm. But there you go. That's like a social. You just came out of French. Social psychology. I did. Yeah. You, you just came out of French. I did. I was. That was a really good French accent. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh, it was phenomenal. So I spent a week in the bopping along the Riviera, which God. was. So, oh, get him a get him a tissue. Get him a tissue. tissue. Covered Um, with saliva. (laughs) Not usually covered in saliva on a Friday. What a way to end the week, though. (laughs) That's how we ended at the short coat. Nice, nice. Welcome to medical school to our new (laughs) M1s and PA1s. That's our show. Ashana, Noah, Nathan, Aline. Thanks for joining me on the show today. It was a pleasure. Hey, no worries. And what kind of pox would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Thank you to this week's producer, Noah Wick. Thank you, Noah Wick. Hey, no problem. End My pleasure. Week, end of this week's editors, Katie Hyam Kessler and Zachary Fleischacker. The show is made possible by a generous nation by Carver College of Medicine student government. And ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Fox and Catmosphere. I'm David Lushing. Don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week. Hi, shortcoats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but... In my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, 
and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too. This Short Code Podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com.